Hey, I'm Fuzz. I'm Joel. Welcome to Fags and Fendi. And we're here to talk about life, relationships, and what it is to be a queer person of color in Australia. He said it all. Welcome back to Fags and Fendi. We are your favorite fags, Fuzz and Joe. How are you, darling? I'm good. How are you? Good. Oh my gosh, you're looking well today. Actually, you're not. You're not very well today. Yeah, so I'm going to be a little bit mellow. I won't be as loud as episode four. Mellow. I, I can't even imagine you being mellow, to be honest. But I can barely see your eyes. You don't have COVID, do you? I'm fine. Like, I is tested. COVID still a thing? Like, are we still afraid of COVID? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tested. I'm negative. So you're all safe in this room. <laughs> I like I read this thing um, the other day online where people were talking about how essential, like, I mean, the graphic said 7.9 billion people, the population of the earth, are still affected by COVID. So many people I are still dying. I literally felt blah. like Darcy just said, go and you just like, boom. <laughs> I didn't even have time to breathe. Why do we need to breathe? We need to hurry Give up. Six this is a podcast. Second, oh my God. <laughs> Give us a second, God, I'm always on a train of thought and Joel always interrupts with unnecessary things to say, which really have nothing to do with I'm, any of the I'm conversations. Like the ratings. <laughs> I, 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 I'm done. <laughs> Mm. Anywho, I'm feeling good. I just, I felt I like had two days in bed to rest. I thought it was COVID. I thought it was finally my time. I've not had COVID. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, here it is my turn, but I'm negative. And, but then the, I feel like the cold has hit a lot of people really hard this year anyway. And it's just like, I just felt like so tired, um, headache, which are all the usual symptoms of COVID as well, but was not. But it was good that I rested. So I'm out today for the first time. And the first job is fags and fandom. <laughs> <laughs> what a joyful thing to do. I know. So how are really you, good. sister? Oh, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to, you know, shout out a little bit. So we had, so as many of you know, listen, though, I am on the most recent season of My Kitchen Rules um, mm-hmm. with my old friend, Arnett Olsen. And we had our episode, our instant restaurant round on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was on the past Sunday. Yeah. Um, And it was really, really good. We were so happy, you know, as people of color, it's always good to, to have a a foot in the door and to, and to be able to represent yourselves um, on camera and to create, you know, character on camera for an Australian audience. So it was really cool. I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I love that we were, you know, as a Fijian, that I was able to bring my Pacifica culture to the fore and that people were able to see how beautiful Pacifica culture is and how welcoming and community and all that stuff. How many times was that real shed of you in the pink fucking robe and you're like, <laughs> you know, rise in the ashes like a phoenix? <laughs> you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you go into any situation being as authentic as possible. And I feel like authenticity. You know, I must give it to her. She's always uh, camera ready and she puts it on well. So, (laughs) you know, you just want to watch her. So I walk down the street and I'm ready, Dal. I have a catwalk waiting to happen. I wouldn't say catwalk. I said TV ready. I did not say catwalk ready. Jealousy. (laughs) But you know what, though? Why are we here today? What are we talking about? Tell me. Well, again, before that, before let's wrap up that thought by saying I like, just like I, I, you know, know, I never know what to talk about. like he's bloody transitions like- <laughs> I tell you I just cannot keep up sometimes last week it went from like I cook pause and I went to Beyonce well because the thing was that like I don't know how to talk about myself like <laughs> so let me finish it okay, oh, finish my god. oh my god oh my god she's sick as she's still a bitch <laughs> 
You know when she's sick, she's even more a bitch because she has less patience. So I was going to say it was very good to watch the both of you represent the culture. But like I said, it was not just, you know, whenever uh, people of color on the show, it's not just your own culture. Mm. You represent people of color in general. And then, like I said, you add on the queer culture layer as well. So I think you had... Well, you had everything going for you <laughs> to say, but at the same time, it was just a very proud moment. I was watching it as well. Um, it was just nice to see the representation. Again, we keep saying representation. We've said this in many episodes. Is for even the younger generation to see, you know, I can be that one day. I can be on the show. It makes it more accessible for them as well. But, you know, like I said, as part of the prep, so it was just a very proud moment to see um, the start to finish. And, um, you know, it said it all, even with the reception. I think, I personally think you guys had one of the best setups, even for the restaurant. Thank the you. effort that went in, in terms of making it very organic. This is a shout out for Stephen and Frina. I still hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, what were they trying to do with those marks? You know, you guys would have topped the leaderboard had they not been playing strategy. She can pack a sambal and go home. <laughs> so that's all I like. Due to contractual reasons, I can't make comments on the so show. I'll but, say it for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I shan't right now. But come back in six months. <laughs> I can't wait to say that. I can't wait. I think six months we're going to do three episodes and just BTS. 100%. I tell you, I would have thoughts. so much to say. But not today, darling. Today we talk about other things. Anyway, I think, that's my thought. So let's think, move on to the next episode. No, Topic. I think that like I think that like um interestingly it's it's a it's a way for us to kind of you know representation again, you know, and like seeing ourselves and we said in the very first episode I think that like seeing a physical manifestation of yourself it allows you to dream that you can one day embody that presence or embody that sort of that aura that atmosphere. Um and the thing that Joel and I want to talk to you about today was about beauty. I think that yeah. like beauty is one of those things where, that like, you know, we throw the word around a lot. We talk about what's beautiful. We say things like, oh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, blah, 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 whatever. But realistically, what do beauty standards look like specifically in the queer culture? So very often we talk about how beauty standards in the fashion industry, for example, affect young females, cisgendered females. Mm -hmm. And also generally how it attacks, uh, you know, sort of like has an impact on on particular cisgendered groups of people. Um, and also, of course, you know, how it affects trans bodies. But I think that specifically, we've never really looked at queerness and the way that our beauty standards are still incredibly Eurocentric. They yeah. are beauty standards that essentially, particularly in countries like this, right? So like in places where people of color are essentially the minority, you know, like within queer spaces, especially like um, I was reading an article that said that we are double minorities. So we are queer, but we are also people of color and we can therefore face two levels of prejudice, right? So we can um, face queerphobia and racism. And sometimes within our own community, we can face them both at the same time. Yeah. These things are detrimental to our mental health. I read also, which is a fascinating statistic, 56%, and this is a fact, 56% of queer people cite depression based on body image, based on the way that they look, right? And so it really got me thinking like, okay, so, is this queer people in general or is this like, sorry, people in general? Is this queer this people? This is queer people specifically. And it's a very, very high statistic. The, the statistic for, I can't remember what it was for um, heterosexual um, people or people who are not queer, non-queer people, um, but it was far lower. 
um, which is very, very interesting. I believe that it sat between 10 and 20%. It was, it was a, it was a big drop. So, you know, it was interesting to me because I was like, okay, so like, what does, what does beauty look like in, in our culture as queer people? And like, why is it that we as people of color sort of want to live up to these very particular standards? A friend of mine, Moji was in, um, excuse me, on the weekend to celebrate the MKR situation on Sunday. Um, and we are Pacifica people, so we tend to be big boned. That's the way that I'll say it. <laughs> um, and, you know, for years, you know, I, we, like we all do it to some degree, like you kind of like you, you lose weight, you put on weight. We all start off a little bit smaller. When we get older, we put on weight, then you try to lose weight, then you put on weight, whatever. As queer people, sometimes, you know, like what you were saying, you felt a little bit more pressure to sort of, to lose that weight or to, to be smaller. And I said to him, I said, you're looking really good. And he said, yeah. He said, you know what? He said something quite powerful. He said, I'm looking for a body that fits me best and that makes me feel good and not one that is formulated through the lens of white gay men. And I was like, wow, that's actually a that's moment. True. And it's a moment though, because I think we need to, you know, I mean, y'all, I'm so sorry to have to say this to you, but like, you know, <laughs> white gay men, again, I got to tell you, like, you know, your proximity to white straight men is very close, particularly if you're passing. So if you are, a, a, you know, as I said, a mask white gay man, and you are passing in a world that tells you that that is the standard, very often your level of authority and power, even within our community, is huge, right? Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a transition. <laughs> I was waiting for you to tell me what you think. What have your struggles been in terms of body image and issue? I think um, it, it becomes more evident when you're in the dating scene. I think it becomes way more evident when you're on the apps and when you see the languaging and, and you talk about, and when you're single, I um, see this, I agree wholeheartedly because it is, it's present, like it is there. Um, we talk about it as well very openly. When you, you know, go on to apps like Grindr or Scruff or whatever you guys have for dating apps, I'm on Grindr sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not like, but when you're there, the languaging and the standards of beauty is very evident. Um, even when I moved to Sydney, I, I was straight away introduced by gay friends to the idea of um, the term a, a Sydney gay. So a Sydney gay is straight away um, referring to a white gay male who is muscly. And that is what everyone aspires to be. And that immediately is a standard of beauty. And then when you go on to Grindr, you hear languaging like, I'm not into Indians, I'm not into Asians, um, only into whites. Like that is the languaging. And it's very, um, it's almost acceptable that, you know, if you say that out in the mall or you say stream that out in the shopping mall, you'll get slaughtered because that's racism. But why is that very acceptable languaging and standards of beauty on Grindr? And then on top of that, you... Um, um, what was I going to say? You go on there and then it's almost everyone wants to uh, be associated or hook up with the straight passive or the mask or the bisexual guy. So why is it that we're going on a gay app? Similar to when we say we go to a gay club and then we go to a place where we feel comfortable and then all of a sudden it gets um, filled up with straight boys trying to pick 
pick up girls. I remember this very particular incident in WA when I went to a gay club for the very first time. There's gay clubs out there? There is. There's only literally two. There oh literally my is God. Only two. I am shocked. <laughs> Our listeners in WA, there are gay clubs out your way. If y'all are listening, I, you know what I'm referring to. There's only the Court Hotel and there's Connections. Literally, you go to the Court Hotel right till like 2 a.m. It shuts and then everyone walks over to Connections down the street and continues their, their morning away. Oh <laughs> my literally God. the only two. That's there's culture no out there. I love it. I don't know if it's grown since then. You can let me know in the comments, but that's the two that I knew and I grew up with. Um, I went with all my uni friends and close friends. And there was a period when, you know, I was exploring the clubs and we'd go and we'd have fun. You feel comfortable. And then there was a certain period after where I noticed that there literally is only straight men, like more straight men than gay men. And it reached the point where straight men were laughing at gay men for being so gay in oh the club. Yes. <laughs> and I remember pulling a friend up to say, you know, that's like, what, what's happening? Because straight men knew that the um, girls were following their gay best friends to the clubs and their guards were down because they were with gay gay friends and gay people. So the girls themselves were with gay, like they knew they were with queer people and they feel comfortable. So they're not as kind of like guarded up as the, what they would be in a straight club. So it reached a point where you're coming to our turf and you're laughing at us being us in our place. And that also is reflected in the apps today. I feel like you're now uh, projecting the standard of uh, masculinity. Everyone worships the mask and the bisexual and the discreet. Who are you and who made this the standard of even on the apps that mask is what it should be mm. or mask is the coolest thing to be dating. Why is it that, why is the feminine not celebrated? You know, like the one that is more feminine. I mean, they're still queer. There's a place for you, but why is it that we're aspiring to be with the mask? hundred percent. And I feel like there's like a lot more fluidity in particular and like sort of, um, in the experience of people of color, right? So like I was watching Paris is Burning again, but also recently watching the um, HBO show Legendary on, which is currently on Stan, I believe. Um, or Binge, sorry, it's on Binge. Um, so like it's, it, it's very, very interesting because like people of color tend to be a bit more fluid in terms of the way they choose to express in these sort of circumstances, right? Because ballroom culture, of course, founded by black and Latinx trans women was very welcoming of all sorts of expression and celebration the purpose of the ballroom any of y'all don't know what it is watch paris is burning it'll explain the entire situation to you for a sort of watered down version of that we've you can always watch it in episode one and two and we've referred to it as well um but i think that like what's really interesting is that there's a celebration of femininity in the ballroom right the idea of being fish the idea of being sort of like you know femme queen the idea of being even a butch queen for that matter like the idea is that like femininity is not necessarily something to be scoffed at, but something to be celebrated. And that's the reason why, in particular, queer men, you know, why we're, I'm going to say it, why we're like a little bit special. It's because like we have the ability to sort of step outside of this boundary and binary um, that tells us that this is what masculinity looks like. But then you do have a lot of white gay men who step back into it quite strongly and you're quite right make that the standard make that the way to exist in the world and then when they look i mean even if you go to places honestly um like the bearers fit on on a sunday right 
there's a lot of there's a lot of white gay men. I, I you know I've got I've I've got white gay friends who've said, oh you know no, you have white gay people. friends. I have white gay friends. I have white gay friends. And you know some of them are masked. Some of them are you know you know no shade to y'all, but some, some, of, some of them are masked. Some of them are like Apart passing. The you know five other episodes we've shared. <laughs> <that way. laughs> but I'll tell you this. I mean, but like I am very happy that they are. Um, the the friends that I have are very open to these conversations, these discussions, and they're not those sort of like white gay men who have this sort of like white woke starter pack because that's very annoying. <laughs> like they're just people who are just a bit like they're, they're willing to actually listen rather than to just like kind of jump have on conversations, things. Yeah, have conversations. But like, what's really interesting is that when you go into those spaces, the thing that is celebrated is overt displays of masculinity when it comes to body. When it comes to the way that people look, of course, when it comes to whiteness and when it comes to sort of like a particular way of dressing. I mean, they could all just be straight boys up on the North Shore. Like it's it's not a thing. And like every time white people say, oh, but there's some people of color there. Yeah. But the thing that we have to understand is that very often when people of color are sort of welcomed or invited into these spaces, because most times we are not. That is a reality that I think needs to be discussed. Yeah. Most times when people are, it's a form of exoticism. It's a form of, it's a form of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, of course you can, you can be in this space, but that's because I'm looking at you and lusting over you as like a, as a black man or an Asian man or a Pacific Islander. And like, you hear it, right? Mm-hmm. Even people say things. I was out the other night. This is a very interesting story. Oh, I almost died. I almost died. I was out <laughs> with like two of like, um, uh, two darling friends of mine who are both queer women, um, and we're sitting at a restaurant and a waiter came up to us and he was, you know, he was, he was, an, he was a more effeminate Sydney gay man, a white gay man. Um, and he was sort of, you know, like swinging himself around and just, you know, coming and sitting with us and talking or whatever. Um, and then of course, um, my, my friends, one of, well, both of them are South Sudanese and one of them in particular had braids. And so she had two braids that came down the side of her face and he kind of like decided to sit next to him and be like, I'm bored. I'm done. Because before that he told us that we were all so gorgeous and wonderful and beautiful we were the only people of color in that space um which which happens a lot you know and it's it's actually not it is i I want to put it out there that it is not a compliment to single us out as zoo animals in a space where primarily there are only white people to be like you are everything don't do that i will scratch your eyes like it's so (laughs) annoying you know what i mean like what what is this anyway proceeds to come and sit down next to my friend while while we're having dinner and he grabs her braids. Yeah. And he said, like, oh, these are so beautiful. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. You don't touch a black woman's hair, right? Because, I mean, it's cultural. There's various things. Also, I mean, even for Pacifica people, it's very, you know, fun fact for Fijians in particular, you never touch a Fijian person's head. It's culturally very inappropriate. I find it uncomfortable when people talk, because people do it here and I get it kind of, but also like just ask because you never know. Anyway, so from a stranger and like, yeah, like you just don't do it. I mean, just, you know, just don't touch people's head. So then after that, he says literally as a gay man, and this is what I mean about exotification in particular and beauty standards, right? He said, Oh no, 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 I'm not racist. My boyfriend is dark. I have, n- I like, I I'm was laughing like, because excuse- I heard the story. If not, I would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I was literally like, excuse me. And he's, like, mm-hmm. he's Maori. And I was like, you know, Pacifica people have a history of being called darkies by colonizers. So I don't think that it's appropriate for you to be referring to your no, boyfriend but you don't as just, dark. You don't even, re- your first words out of your mouth shooting me. I have a Maori boyfriend. 
You should, well, I don't have a darker skin boyfriend. Or you could just be like, I'm sorry for touching your hair. Like, you know what I mean? As opposed to like, oh no, I'm not racist. It's like, no, no, honey. Like nobody up till that point assumed you were racist. Everybody up till that point assumed that you were dumb. Now we assume you're racist. <laughs> you know, it's just like, your poor boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. It was just like. It Do was you go such, home and call him Ducky? I know. Can you imagine? But this is what I mean. Like. You know, do you need help? Reach out to us. <laughs> Send us a DM. <laughs> very, very often, very often, and I find this, you know, um, particularly within the Pacifica community, we the white men tend to kind of like jump on on Pacifica people when they're younger, because generally Pacifica people when we are younger are are quite fit, right? It's a, it's a physicality thing. It's a I'm I'm not sure what it's genetics. It's a whatever, right? Um, as we get older, you know, bodies change or whatever. And to be honest, like body is not that important in our cultures. Does that make sense? Like in our cultures, like, you know, once you move on in life and, and things happen and, and you, you settle or whatever it is, you know, your body changes and it's okay. We, we generally tend to sort of accept the changing and the changes that occur within the body. That's because, when they say beauty fades. Yes. And, and you accept also because... Also, aging is a very honored thing in Pacifica culture. Like it is in most cultures of color, to be honest. You know, aging is a very honored thing. It's like, oh, you know, you get to an age, you have wisdom, you have new thoughts, you have new ways of, of existing and of being. Um, so we let it go a little bit. Mm. We could be healthier because we are also some of the fattest people in the world, and I am aware <laughs> of that. But, like, but, you know, I'm just saying co colonialism. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, you can't blame everything, though. Okay? I will blame everything. I will push it for as long as I can. But let me tell you something, though. Like, I think that like um, what happens at that point is that many white gay men kind of let, you know, th at that point start to be like, oh my God, look at that person. You know what I mean? I think that in itself is a problem because every culture we have a stereotype of a list of things that we know each culture we associate with. So like you said, Pacific Islander, you think you also not just that you've got the olive skin that everyone wants. You know, you're like the perfect blend of like tan, but not too dark again, by whose standard you're too dark. And then you have obviously black men. You know, I see the languaging on Grindr. I don't, a lot of them actually even put in their bio. Don't ask me that question. You know what I'm talking about. But it's like the stereotype of every person. I, in fact, go so far to say that I have come across Grindr profile that says no Indians because you smell. Are you serious? Yeah. Because I, you know, full disclosure, everybody, I've never been on Grindr because I've been in a relationship for a long time. So I learned things. I know Carry she's on. like a grandmother here. So I'm <laughs> the, like the single cool Carrie Bradshaw exploring Sydney. So you need my opinion. Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> Who's your Mr. Big Doll? You'll never know. It'll never <laughs> so, be discussed. Wait, but this actually happened? Yes, this happens. Like, so they'll say, like I said, there's languaging that, you know, this is what I personally have an issue with. We spend so much of our time, so much of our mental health discussing episode in episode one, two, and three. We talk about our journey towards coming up. We talk about how tough it's been and, you know, growing up, being bullied and suppressed. We finally reach this stage where we are free. How many of our listeners have experienced the coming out and then going into the queer community and then actually going backwards? Facing rejection. Because you don't meet all these standards. Yeah. I know I have as well. Because you, like I said, when I first moved to Sydney, 
I was introduced to the idea of, oh, you have to look like this. You know, when you look at pictures of, it's everywhere. Look at pictures of Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. They really push the um, cis white muscly men, mm-hmm. you know, walking around in costumes. Mm-hmm. Look at the queer magazines. I mean, the majority of them, look at the cover. I don't even need to name them. Like you, you know all of them. You know the agenda being pushed. So this is what I have a problem with. Why are we... Um, so, you know, we work so hard to come out. We work so hard to um, fight for equality and acceptance, but within the community, we're not as accepting. Mm. And it, it shows why is it, why are we so woke now, but we're not pulling up things that should be pulled out, but we're wasting our time on people like Andrew Tate and we're wasting our time on, sorry, I just say wasting our time because he needs to be pulled out. What I mean is that we're giving him views. Mm. We are pulling out people who say the wrong thing when it's in fact not the wrong thing, but here is blatantly racist, blatantly sexist, ageist, in fact. There's even no one over 40, no one over over 50. Um, you know, we, we're so quick to write and all these things down. Absolutely, and in terms of age as well, it really negates the experience of queer people who, because the journey is different for everybody, and some queer people come out in their 30s, some come out in their 40s, so then where do they go? I mean, you're quite right in that, like, we... Just not- before that, I literally had someone, um, I know a friend who literally made had a comment made to him that oh you're now in your 30s so your gay prime years are over oh my god that's fine <laughs> but you should be fine you're in your 20s right I, yeah 100 i'm 28 oh mm. okay i'm sorry i've been having an existential crisis for like the past like <laughs> month but it's fine we're here now it's all good i i recently like i i had a birthday we'll get so into that later it's fine <laughs> it oh look we're running out of time no no no, no, no this yet. is the bonus edition we have 10 extra minutes <laughs> you know like one of the things that's really really interesting um and something just for people to be aware of is that like statistically honestly um across google it you'll find it but because of I'm going to talk about colonialism briefly. Joel knows I love talking he about this word. because I blame I blame colonialism for a lot of shit. Like we are where we are, now. and look, I'm I'm not saying you that. Know, like one funny thing I will say, we went for this business talk where we were presenting a few things, and the question was something about mental health and how you balance your day. And somehow he managed to put colonialism <laughs> in there multiple times. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, because he's been talking about, because let me tell you something. Okay, it's just like this thing as well, right? So very often people talk about statistically how people of color and people, you know, various cultures, whether Pacifica, whether you are, you know, like yourself, whether you are of Malaysian ancestry, whether you are of the South just Asian, Malaysian, you mean, yes. Oh God. Whether <laughs> you are of the African diaspora, whether you're Latinx, I mean, like there's various, you know, whatever you are, whether you are African American, whatever, you know, statistics globally, um, but particularly, particularly con- collected in the States because of their sort of obsession with race, which is very interesting as well. What we find is that sort of responses to queerness in these cultures tends to be, uh, less welcoming, right, than in white society broadly. I'm not saying that white society is like completely open. I mean, most of the biggest homophobes in the entire world are white people. But, yeah. but the reality is that I mean, most of the ones that are the woke cultures are also the white people who don't know the difference between is that actually racist or not. One hundred percent. So, well, but what ends up happening is this, right? So people always, you know, the comment is always just kind of like, oh, it's your culture, like that's why. Oh, that's why they got here. You know, the the instance of 
queer people of color being kicked out of home, for example, for coming out as queer is much higher. When we look at like stories of like coming out parties and blah, 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 and being like, oh my God, look where we've come to. We've arrived as we haven't. Because most of those experiences, I would dare to say 99.99% are white experiences. Queer people of color don't have that. And that is a product of colonialism and imperialism because our communities were imposed upon with certain ideas, right? So we had to, we've deconstructed our thinking once before. When colonials arrived into our context, they saw when Europeans, European colonists came into our context, they saw fluidity in terms of gender expression, sexual orientation or whatever. They said, that's not good. Deconstruct the mindset. This is what it looks like. There's a binary. This is how you exist straightness is preferred this uh, well not preferred straightness is the only way everything else is horrible it's just like you know laws you know for we didn't have laws in many countries around homosexuality now laws around decency places in on the african continent where homosexuality is uh, or in the middle east where homosexuality is punishable by the death penalty for example those are colonial constructs. Those are not laws put in place by those countries. Those are laws pl- put in place by the colonial powers that once ruled those places. So we come out of those contexts into these places like Australia now, which is, you know, I mean, Australia is essentially a colony, right? I mean, like, you know, the, I remember talking one time when I was in university, somebody talking about the end of colonialism in Australia and um, a, a woke at the time white person saying, well, we never left. We're still here. So it's interesting because, yes, you know, the imperialist sort of powers are still here. Of course, it's different now. Generations on now, people are very different. Australians are Australians, and they f- and white Australians feel differently and think differently. And and I've, you know, I found white Australians to be generally quite open to conversation mm. sometimes. But I think that what's the city imp- area <laughs> depends on the area. But what I found interesting is that like the reason why we face that today is because of that colonial history. We might be generations removed now from the first time our populations deconstructed the idea of what it meant to be heterosexual, what it meant to be a cisgendered male, what it meant to be whatever, like deconstructed to become this stereotype. So now basically what we have to do or what our parents, our grandparents have to do is they have to deconstruct the deconstruction to return to their original thought process. And it's difficult to do. And that's why while Europeans and people of European descent have pa- have moved on and they look back now on these cultures thinking, oh my goodness, how barbaric, how could you think that? Where do you think it came from, bitch? Like, you know, like, and that's why, that's why we are where we are. And that's also why when we come out in a context like this and we walk out into these communities, because most people of color, I mean, be honest, everybody who's listening right now as well, be honest. Like, you know, because I remember thinking this, like, when you come out, you do think to yourself at some point, it's easier for white people. Mm. Do you not think that? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of us have that thought, like, oh, it's so much easier. Like, their families are so much easier. Like, their families aren't as imposing. Their I mean, look, even the, the drama that we fantasize on was Heartstopper, but the reality is he was still white. Yeah. And the way she accepted, the way the mom accepted his coming out was very white. 
It was absolutely because if, if I did that to my mom, like I said, it wouldn't have been. Oh, come here! It was like let's grab the wooden spoon first. <laughs> I say wooden spoon purposely because I grew up with that, and now someone's getting fined for that. <laughs> oh, oh, our moms would be in prison by now. percent. <laughs> Do you know something? Honestly, like I'm telling you, like, we they would be arrested for life. <laughs> <laughs> totally sharing cells. <laughs> Tell ya. Anyway. But I think that like. Um, I think that's how we move out into the world. But look, we're trying to deconstruct and go backwards, but at the same time, then you have people like Andrew Tate, I who's can't. now bringing it back to the fore and pushing the agenda very hard. What scares me about people like Andrew Tate <laughs> is that you know, initially when I saw him a couple of months ago for the first time on TikTok. Um, I was like, oh, this is some fringe, whatever. Like, you know, like there's a lot of those sort of like right wing fringe, like ridiculous Trump supporting freak shows that exist out there. So I was like, it's fine. Like, you know, like just don't give it time. I saw yesterday. It's interesting you brought it up because I saw yesterday on TikTok something come up, and there was this guy going around interviewing people about Andrew Tate and how they felt about him. And somebody literally said, a young person said he's like a second father to me. Random, <laughs> like someone who doesn't know. And I was like. Oh my god like you are forming your basis of masculinity on this highly emasculated disgusting little man like w- like why would you why would you do that it's scary yeah that's why i'm saying is like we are in a woke culture and we are in this age day and age but you know we have to realize that a lot of this tiktok messaging is going out to very young people very impressionable minds and You know, this is even like a message to Gen Z or even call outs to people who are very impressionable. And that goes even with beauty standards, not just him. I was shocked when I found out the amount of people that get butt lifts and the amount of people that get surgery because they want to look like a Kardashian because they want to look like that. Well, you know, I look at them like, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be great to look like that, but I'm not going to go and change my whole or I'll change my whole being. Just very quickly, I saw um this I saw yesterday on um on Instagram that the searches for reversing Reverse, but, uh, is up 5000%. <laughs> yes. Ever since she got so like I mean it's it's interesting how you know it's it's kind of again, you know, I love I think Kim Kardashian is actually very very intelligent. Hear me out. Like I think she's a very very smart woman. I agree. And and I think that she's been so so good at what she does. There are issues again. She is a white passing woman. She she isn't white. I mean, she is kind of white. She is mostly white, but she's not white. She's she's a essentially fair skinned girl. She's, she's Armenian, so there's the exoticism, but she's still light skinned. It's all about sort of like that proximity to whiteness, and yeah. like that's what we find. Yeah, but beautiful. she is a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful woman, but I I feel that that is one of the reasons why she is. so celebrated. I mean, look, I think to be honest, I think Viola Davis is a very beautiful woman. I think she's an incredibly attractive woman. I think that she's sexy, I think she's intelligent, I think she's clever, but you know, the way that our minds have been formulated, I think that if Viola Davis was more white passing, had stronger white features, had all the things that you want like a you know light skin uh, sorry light lighter skin lighter eyes smaller nose smaller lips all the sort of stuff then suddenly they become more beautiful right yeah. and i think that 
I think that that's the problem. And it's, it's again, it's a decolonizing of our own minds around that. But at the same time, look, for a lot of our listeners listening, I think it's very important for you to ask yourself the difference between that person being beautiful for who they are and then trying to then decide to change everything about yourself to be that because you can never be that as much as you pay for it. And then the trend changes the next day. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, slimmer butts are in and then you want to reverse that. You can't. You're stuck with giant peaches all your life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for you to wake up and then really sift through the messages that you're getting on TikTok because clearly the people who are getting views should not be getting views. Mm-hmm. You know, people like Andrew, it, it's very, very harmful for the younger generation of men coming through because again, a lot of people, as much as we walk through our life knowing where we are, what we are about, there are a lot of people that are not. There are a lot of people that are very impressionable. I get surprised sometimes thinking, you know, is it that easy to influence your mind? But I forget that we're now in our 30s. We're now kind of like gone through, been there, done that sort of a thing, even though I was never that impressionable. But there are a lot of people that really need to sit down and sift through the messaging coming through of, is that right? Is that what I should be doing? Is that what I want to do? Um, I think what we need I to do is... time to really wake up. I think so as well. And I think that what we really need to be doing is we need to be sort of moving as a community, as, as queer people broadly, we need to be understanding of each other. And we also need to be more open to each other. I think that we have to... Again, you know, it talked about deconstruction, but we do need to deconstruct our mindsets around this. We need to stop feeling like beauty is a standard or is a way of existence. We need to accept the fact that beauty exists in all different forms, that we all look all different ways. Yeah. And that we and and that when you find like you you don't have to find somebody beautiful because because you've been told that that's what's beautiful. Look for beauty yourself. Very often people that I know have ended up in very bad relationships because the primary thing, I mean, beauty, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I, you know, I work in fashion, I'm a stylist, I'm a designer. So of course, you know, beauty, beauty is important, but I think we have to understand that beauty is, is much broader than just the one thing. It's broader than the Mardi Gras posters that tell us that shirtless, muscular, white, cisgendered, gay men are the beauty standard, you know? Beauty is 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 a broad spectrum of bodies. It's a broad spectrum of skin shades. It's a broad spectrum, you know, it's, you, you know, like coming back really quickly before we close off, but I know from my experience with, as a Pacifica person, right? So when people think of Pacifica people, and we see this in our communities as well, and I, that's why I know it's a problem. People who are closer to Polynesian looking or people who are lighter skinned, I'm a lighter skinned person as well, or people who are mixed race, they feel better or they feel more Pacifica. That's why I, I reject the term poly. So people often refer to all Pacifica people as, people as poly, right? Or, you know, Pacifica, Oceanian, whatever. There's, two, there's different wa- ways to describe us, people of the ocean, whatever. But I come from a place, I come from a place where we are on the cusp of two places. So Fiji sits between Melanesia and Polynesia. We are part of the Polynesian Triangle, but we also sit within the Melanesian group. Melanesians are also Pacifica people. Melanesians are dark-skinned. Polynesians are light-skinned and have and have different have wavy hair, don't necessarily have um, curly hair or tight curls. Melanesian people have darker skin and tend to have curlier or frizzier hair. Like 
interestingly, if you were to put the two forward, the Polynesian is often seen as a beauty standard for the Pacific for Pacific people. And it's not true. There are beautiful people across the board, whether you're looking at Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, the Solomon Islands, the westernmost part of the Fijian Islands. There are beautiful people across that as well. And they are also Pacifica people. And if you go all the way through to Polynesia, there are also beautiful people there. But just because Polynesians have a closer proximity to whiteness, it does not make them inherently more beautiful than people who are Melanesian. And I think that that's an interesting sort of microcosm way of looking at the queer community more broadly. Mm. People who are closer to the particular standard that's been put out there, particularly here, you know, you referred to the Sydney gay, for example, right? That is not a standard. It's a way. And there are beautiful, you know, I, you know, I hate to shout on y'all. You, you, you are beautiful. I mean, there are beautiful white gay men out there. But there are also beautiful brown, non-binary people. There are also beautiful... Asian, what? But Lesbian so, people. Like, there's, there's beautiful that, everything. Like, we work in fashion. So we know the background that goes behind creating an image. And we know the reality of not every model looks like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we bring this uh, behind the scenes of, you know, whatever you see, like even the impressionables that are looking on Instagram and following all these makeup beauty um, gurus and, and all the campaigns, no one looks like that. Like we have a lot of image retouched and curved in and pushed in when in the end, the model themselves said, oh, that's not even, I yeah. don't even look like that. So I think it's time to wake up and realize that not everything you see in front of you is what you should be believing in. And I I um, echo what you mentioned about um, cultures and, and being closer to the lighter skin, because even in the Indian um, community, lighter skin is celebrated. And that's why we joke a lot in our Indian community about uh, Fan Lovely. I'm sure all you Indian people have heard of that brand because it is a whitening product of trying to be fairer so that you know, it it echoes even in the Bollywood industry. All you see is lighter skin actors and actresses, and we have actresses who are darker skin actually speaking out against the industry to say that they they don't get many roles because they're not as light skinned mm-hmm. and celebrated. And this goes across all our not just queer community. I think in general, it's time we wake up and celebrate you, and really realize that you know. Uh, being a model is a job. I also know that. Like uh, we work in fashion. Being a model is a job, and that person looks great for that job. Mm. But that does not mean that I feel any less beautiful looking at that. I appreciate that model for what they're doing. They look great for that job. But I'm able to still distinguish between that's the job that they do. But at the same time, I'm still beautiful. That's where we need to reach because, you know, if you're then trying to be that, then you'll have a lot of problems. A hundred percent, darling. So, you know, we've run out of time, but at the end of the day, appreciate beauty, of course, but appreciate beauty in all its forms. I can appreciate that Joel is somewhat beautiful, but not great. And despite being 45, <laughs> I appreciate the young person that you are inside. I am not 45. Okay, we've definitely run out of time. But I'm not 45 what? just so you that everybody is aware. You are beautiful, despite your age and your Are you balding? You know what? Bald pride, Joel. You know what? You, you need, need to, to wake up. You need to take off your toupee, bitch. That's what you need to do. Thank not you for joining to us up. today, darlings. We'll see you in the next one.